Hello, and welcome to Primary Sources, a production of the Central Arkansas Library System, where we focus on people making a difference in Little Rock and Arkansas. Some you might have heard of, and some you haven't heard of, but probably want to know about. Check out cals.org slash podcasts for more Primary Sources interviews. This is an oral history interview for the Butler Center for Arkansas Studies. This interview is taking place on Wednesday, December 17, 2008, at the Main Library in Little Rock, Arkansas. My interview is taking place with Yolanda Amaya. I think that's correct? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> the interviewer is Jawan Johnson. And um, the focus of our discussion today is dealing with race relations from um, the Hispanic perspective. But uh, before we begin there, I want you to, um, to introduce yourself and, and say your full name for me. Okay, um, I'm Yolanda Amaya. I'm from Nicaragua. Uh, I've been here in Arkansas for 16 years. Wow. Okay. I came to Arkansas by accident, I would say. I was living in Canada. In Canada, it was too cold for me. That was about, you know, some uh, winter time. And I decided to go somewhere else. And then a friend of mine, she said, why you don't go to Arkansas? Arkansas is a beautiful place and, you know, it's a, it's inexpensive, and then I just, uh, that's the way I came over here. Wow. So did you have uh, people, friends who were already? I had a friend that she used to live here before, you know, she just told me where Arkansas was, and uh, you know, and then uh, uh, she uh, contacted me with a friend of hers, uh -huh. and then um, with my husband, we just came over here, and since then, I'm been here now, it's been 16 years. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, um, before I go into more in-depth of biographical information, I kind of want to know a little bit about, um, you came from Nicaragua. Now, tell me a little, a little what, were your, what are your parents' names? What are you, oh, my, your my family lives in Canada now. Okay. They've been in Canada for over 20 years. Okay. And my mom is uh, Maria Garcia. Mm -hmm. My father is deceased, and we have, we're all eight brothers and sisters all together. I have a... Um, Five, five of them are in Canada, and one is in France, another one in Guatemala, and other one in Nicaragua. And you grew up there? I grew up there. I left my country when I was some, you know, 23 years old, something like that, yeah. What was life like there in comparison oh, to the U.S.? Oh, completely different, you know. It's more, uh, it's not like hectic or busy like here, you know, everybody enjoy life, everyday's life, and uh, you don't have a schedule to make, you know, so it's more, more, you know, relaxed, more, you know, and then you can go out every day, every night, and be ready next day to go to work. It's completely different than here in the United States. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And you, um, tell me about your education experience. I, okay, I went to uh, college over there, I, over there, I studied like executive secretary, mm -hmm. and then when I moved to, I used to live in other countries also because I love to travel, I yes. live in Honduras, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Miami, Puerto Rico, and uh, I work in different areas, I always like to work with people, serve people, I work in different, you know, doing different things. Mm -hmm. um, now what did your parents do for a living? My dad was a military. Yeah, he was a military. So you were used to traveling. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, now, talking about your transition to Arkansas, what were some things that um, 
that you noticed about the state when you initially came? That you, you uh, just some of your observations. When I came over here, was uh, really very completely different because um, first of all the language. You know, I knew English, but I thought I knew more than when I realized. You know, when I came over here. Especially the accent. Accent was so different, <laughs> and I couldn't understand at first. But um, I really, I found that I didn't know English. You know, mm -hmm. I thought I did. I used to work in an airport in a hotel with all all, all the time with extra, you know, foreigners. But when I came in, I realized that I didn't know. And then uh, I learned, you know, just like working my job every day. I didn't have the opportunity to go to school over here because I was, you know, that's our mentality. Yes. Latino mentality is just come over here and work hard. Mm -hmm. Then I learn as, you know, I, you know, every day, listen to people every day. I work for a long time in a, in a restaurant. That's what I, I started working over here. Then I was learning a little bit at the time. Then I became a volunteer. Uh, I used to go to police, um, you know, court, to uh, any other type of court, medical, uh, you know, appointments, mm -hmm. and that's how I started working with the Latino community over here in Little Rock. Now, I was doing a volunteer work. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to ask, when you first um, came to the States, this was 15 years ago, and there's mm -hmm. been a dramatic increase in the Hispanic population since then. What was the population like when you initially? I probably came? would say I remember just uh, was just my husband and myself, and we barely see a Hispanic person. Was really, I would say, well, the percentage was, I mean, I would say no, almost nobody over here. That's very uh, rare because you know we used to go to other um, cities over here in, in Arkansas and we never saw a Hispanic person and we used to see somebody we're so happy to see them because you know we could uh, practice our Spanish but uh, if I compare 1991 when I get here like now I mean the increase is I mean it's very very big if I'm not mistaken now we have like probably 200,000 uh, Hispanics now here in Arkansas, and they are all over Arkansas. Mm -hmm. The majority of the population stays uh, northwest Arkansas, and the second bigger population is here in Little Rock in southwest area. And what were some um, what were some places or what were some things that you volunteered with? Um, um, I started as a uh, health promoter. Okay, yes. health promoter. I used to go house by house. Knocking doors with a with a full of pamphlets from different you know information about health about disease STDs. I used to go by house by house and letting people know, letting them know what kind of services the state will you know provide them because they didn't know where to go. They didn't even if they exist. And then um, that's how I started, like health promoter. Did you get a, a large interest, much interest from? Uh, Absolutely. I saw the people, uh, the majority, the obstacle that I saw the first of all was the language, you know, uh, and then information about where to go, you know. And we had, um, we, I was working with a, with a person that he, do, he had a health promoter a group, and they would start doing that. And then 
more people was interested and found out where to go and then it's when they start calling me and I was giving the information uh, going with them before like in the morning before going to work I used to go appointments early in the morning mm -hmm. doctor's appointment or lawyer's appointment any kind of appointment you know that's how I started being a, a, a interpreter mm -hmm. you know? so you also were a part of different of, of legal exactly matters. exactly yeah mm -hmm. interesting um, there was something else I was going to ask in, in relation to um, Health motion. About what year was this? What time? Uh, that was probably 94, 98, something like that. And after that, um, a friend of mine heard about a friend of his that he had a, a non-profit organization clinic. Mm -hmm. He wanted to bring the community Latino to the clinic. And I got hired in that clinic. And then I worked over there for three years, and we were, it was very successful because it was based on uh, income and size of the family. Then I scheduled about 3,000 people in three years. Wow. And it was really very, very successful because <clears throat> uh, we do, used, I used to do referrals also, mm -hmm. and I used to do, you know, all kind of services, anything. I didn't have any, um, any, I would say uh, just limitations on, on what I was doing. And, um, and a friend of mine, she has a newspaper over here, she uh, interviewed me and uh, she posted on the internet and then Univision, you know who Univision is? Mm -hmm. Okay? Yes. Univision found out about me and they came from Miami to interview me uh, because they considered that I was doing an excellent job with the Latino community over here. And it really, I mean, we opened the doors, you know, for, yes. for them. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. What were some things that they began to, to do? Well, we, uh, we had, like, doc family doctor, we had uh, dental services also. Yes. And we had, um, also, we used to refer the patients to other, you know, institutions. Mm -hmm. But uh, what's really, uh, what's really wonderful because, um, Knowing how the people act and think, you know, it's kind of hard when they go to a doctor, regular, outside like an American doctor, they don't know, they don't open up, you know, they are, they kind of, they, we're not used to talk about something like private disease or something like that. Yes. And then being, you know, your own race, then you know how to approach them and mm -hmm. how to be able to help them out, you know, yes. and open up and then get all the information that the doctor needs to help them. So there were a lot of culture barriers. A lot, mm -hmm. yes, a What lot. were some of those? As you um, mentioned, just one of them. Okay, um, we say they have, like, I have some patients, they came to the uh, lobby, you know, waiting area, and uh, we start filling up paperwork, and there's a question, you know, about yes. having been exposed to, you know, yeah. Yeah. a relationship with protection, and they would say no. But I knew it. I just looked at them and talked to them. I knew it. When we went to the doctors, you know, with the doctor uh, room, they still didn't know how to say it, how to, you know, mm -hmm. express themselves. And it is when I took took place, you know, and said, okay, you know, you don't have to be ashamed. You know, this is a private conversation. This is between doctor and, and you know, nobody else is going to know about it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can talk about it. And, then, you know, 
that way they start open up. But uh, that that's one of the main things. Yes. When they go to the doctor, they don't want to discuss. They don't want to, you know, tell what's exactly what's going on. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, what about labor issues? Labor issues. I had a lot of um, patients also with problems. A lot of them, the majority, they work in in construction area, mm -hmm. and they fall, they work in fall, and had a lot of problems. Uh, when I asked him, okay, did you report it? No. Why not? They don't know that once you felt you have an uh, accident yes. at a workplace, you have to report it, right? Because mm -hmm. you have to you have to follow some uh, guidelines. They didn't do it. I said, why did you why you didn't? First of all, the main reason is because they are undocumented. Uh, mm -hmm. They are afraid to let the boss know, you know, what's going on or what can happen. And I had the opportunity to have patients in a very, really bad shape because they were hurt in a job they never reported. And after some time later on, they came to the clinic and they didn't have the opportunity to do anything about it or even hire, hire a lawyer because it was too late. They didn't report it on time. That's another issue. They are not used to report accidents or or, uh, for example, it is something doing against, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the rule. Yes. They don't say anything. They just keep it to themselves because they are afraid all the time. They're going to lose their job. You know, they're going to get fired. And that's, that's a big, big problem in the Latino community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are some um, misperceptions that you think that people have of um, who are Americans, mm -hmm. citizens? What are some misperceptions do you think they have against um, Latinos that you've noticed here? Okay, um, I think a lot. Some people they took advantage of them. They took advantage of them. The Hispanic person is a very loyal employee. It's loyal. He never called in, never late. You know, they always want to work more and more overtime. And uh, uh, and I knew also some cases of uh, there were patients of mine. They were working with ex company and they were wasn't paid for two or three months and they were still were working for the person. And I said, why you don't go to labor department and just let them know? What? No, because I don't, I don't want to lose my job, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I said a lot of people, you know, take advantage of them because their situation and because they don't know how they don't know how to uh, how to defend themselves you know or even talk about it so what are some ways that you've tried to help with that I try to uh, advise them to see you know contact a lawyer and but it's I mean it's something that it's a barrier they can you know break yes. it's really really hard you know they can't, they are afraid, they don't, even they know that they have some rights even being undocumented exactly. in this country, you know, they are afraid to do it because I'm going to lose my job, they can call immigration, they can call the police, I'm going to get in trouble, instead of doing something to just quit and go to another place, continue to work in another place. That's the reason that a lot of things happen because they do, they, they, I think this, their mentality is even if they've been here for five, six, seven, eight years, they still have the Hispanic mentality, you know. They don't want to 
learn the way we do things here. They don't want to change things. They eat same kind of food. They go to the same store. They use Hispanic products. I don't say that's nothing wrong, but I think if you live here, we need to learn, you know, things that we from this country, you know. And then it's going to be beneficial for your, you know, for uh, in every way in your life. And what are some of the, um, in dealing with racial relations, interaction, what kind of, um, how do, because um, I think we talked a little bit about some of the stereotypes that you have of, of Hispanics from other people, vice versa. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, uh, generally a Hispanic person prefer to be with Hispanic person, okay? This, um, I mean, has, I'm, I'm seeing changes now lately also. I've seen a lot of younger guys with older American ladies. Mm -hmm. The reason, the reason, the main reason I think it is because I see this in different places. There's more males in here, Hispanic males, than females. Okay. Then, the reason could be because they're lonely, you know, they need a company, they need somebody to be here, but I see a lot of kids being born, you know, in this relationship. And the majority of them, they are married, their wife are in Mexico, their girlfriends are in Mexico, but it's really hard to be over here for years and years and don't have any close relationship. But, uh, and you know, and I know couples that they don't, she doesn't speak a lot of Spanish and he doesn't speak a lot of English, you know. Mm -hmm. And how they do, well, sometimes you don't have to really say much, you know, maybe they are attracted to each other, mm -hmm. but, um, but they prefer, I mean, if they decide to get married, they will prefer to get married with Hispanic person, you know. But even also, I'm also speaking in terms of the general community, are you saying mm -hmm. that, um, as far as interacting with other okay. races, as okay. far as just communicating, the community. It's are. not really happening a lot because I noticed this. I be, I belong to a, a homeless stand down, for example, mm -hmm. and I was over there for the first three years because the idea was we wanted to bring Latino community, and the response was okay. That's just for uh, black people. Or if there's if this um, if something's going on is it's organized for black people, they don't feel like they're welcome or they belong to. If it's organized for white people, the same thing happens. You know, they don't feel like they, you know, you know, you know what I mean. They yeah. don't feel like they belong to that. You know, mm -hmm. and last year is when I had the opportunity to see probably five families, four or five families, and homeless stand down because you know also. I learned they had to, you know, uh, advising or maybe teaching or, or just let them know, okay, this is not for you. Uh, no, only for them. You can come over too and you can mm -hmm. uh, take advantage of the services. You don't have to be, you know, from the same race. But it's really, it's not easy. They do not, they do not uh, interact really easily with other cultures. Mm -hmm. First thing is language barrier, you know. And secondly, they don't feel like they belong to, you know, in this, you know, in this group. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. Have you, what are the attitudes towards the other groups? 
Oh, I think the attitude are good because they know they are they are really hard workers. They are um, employees. They are very loyal. They never talk back to their bosses. You know, they always over there. They always are able to do more and more. And Americans, they really appreciate that. You know, I, uh, for fact, I know a lot of those companies. All the Hispa the employees are Hispanics. They love them because they are really hard workers. You know. Um, how, um, you talked a little bit about this, but I was, mm -hmm. I was just kind of wanting to get some insight as, how, as to how the, the community, how Hispanics, and I know you can't speak for everyone, but yeah. you can speak mm -hmm. for some, how they perceive America. How do they, what are, what are their perceptions? How do they see the country? Uh, well, they see the country like a, a great opportunity to improve in their future life because the most of the time, the most of the people that live here, like we say, we have one leg here and one in Mexico, because their dream is going back to Mexico when they get older, you know, and they, the majority of them, they see a great opportunity. This this country, you can have the opportunity to do whatever you want to, to achieve a, a goal, you know. We, I, I would say we talk like a, a money-wise, because, you know, you can work here as many hours, you can have two, three jobs as you can, and you can build, you know, the future in Mexico. And that's, the, I mean, this it only happens in the United States. And they really appreciate that, you know, they do, really do like it over here. Awesome. Mm -hmm. As far as um, education, um, you see that there's an increase of, of course, Hispanic mm -hmm students in yeah. schools and how do you what do you feel about the system and and, and how it's um, catering to the Hispanic community okay now I'm seeing a different um, I would say a different generation when I came here uh, now we have more teenagers and more kids you know born in over here and but like for example the mom and dad uncle that this the generation that came here a few years ago they don't have the opportunity. No, it's not they don't have the opportunity. They don't have the time to get involved in the school, to go to school, to get an education, to do better because the main goal is work, work, you know. Everybody has to work. Everybody has to pay their bills. Then this generation here is just standing by here, you know. And when they, if they need to go shopping or they need to do anything, they bring the kids with them, and the kids are the ones they helping, you know, to translate. Yes. But um, it's really rare the adults that go to school and learn uh, English. Now, nowadays, we have a lot of places where they teach English classes, mm -hmm. like two times a week, you know, maybe three times. But they don't have the time. The majority of the population they live here, they have two jobs. For them. Uh, education and health is not in the first place. I could, I see, I saw that when I, I was working at the clinic. I had a, uh, an experience with one person that he had an appointment and he didn't show because he didn't want to lose, you know, that day. He didn't want to lose that day and he went to work. Next day when I rescheduled him, next time he didn't either, you know, and when I found out he was in a hospital, you know, in, in an intensive care unit, because for them it's more important to make, you know, the living instead, you know, getting um, their health in shape, you know. They wait until they are really ill and then go to see a doctor. 
it's not it's not number one thing for the Hispanic community education and health no it's not, it, I would say it's in the last place Um, you also you're also a member of a group, um, LULAC. LULAC. Can you tell me about that? LULAC is the biggest uh, Latino organization in the United States. Has been here for I, I can't remember exactly how many years, but probably twenty years, some of that. In Arkansas. And and all you know, in United, in United States. States. Yes, mm -hmm. and then LULAC uh, helps. Uh, with uh, the Latinos, with uh, we celebrate Cinco de Mayo, the biggest celebration mm -hmm. we do here in Little Rock. Um, we have other smaller activities also, but we have uh, scholarships for the students. And um, and this organization has been helping Latinos all over the United States. Now, as far as Arkansas, what is what what has been some of the main the the programs that the organization has, has implemented are? Uh, the main thing, I would say the scholarships. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We do some events and then we, uh, you know, we raise money for that and that's what they do once a year. Mm -hmm. The reason why they don't do more is because everybody is a volunteer, everybody has their job and then we don't have the opportunity to, you know, set up more events more often. Um, You also talked a little bit about some um, issues of, I think we talked about that, issues of unequal treatment. Um, are you satisfied with um, the progress of the Hispanic community here in Arkansas? Um, or what are some of your observations as, as the community begins here? Because when you came up, I don't think there was a publication that was here. No. And now there's a, a... Yeah, we didn't have... I remember we had just probably one store. Mm -hmm. Now we have a lot of uh, Mexican stores. And then we have um, uh, a news... Uh, we have two newspapers. No, three newspapers. We have um, uh, a magazine. And we have uh, a television show. Uh, there's a lady that she... I'm not sure she's still doing it, but she has some. She interviews some Hispanic leaders in the community, and uh, yeah, it's getting you know it's getting better. A lot is growing up. It's growing up. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. What are some ways that you think the um, the cultural gaps can be bridged? These various, um, as we talked about earlier, as far as the, the lack of, I guess, integration mm -hmm. of the community with. The overall population? I would say probably we should have more meetings in the community, invite them, you know, to come over because, like I always said, they never come to us, you know, the only way that you can reach them and you can let them know what's going on or what, what, what do you want to do, you know, for them, we have to go and, and because they're not really open-minded person, you know. Um, when I was working at the clinic, of those 3,000 people that I, you know, I uh, had come into the clinic, I would say probably two or three, they had uh, like high school education, college education. We had a lot of them, they didn't know how to write or read, and they become, the, all these people here, the majority of them come from the ranch, you know, from very, very small areas, 
with no education at all. And, uh, and it's really hard to um, let them see things in different way, you know, open their minds. It's, it's not easy, you know, it's, uh, it's a challenge. And it, I think we need to go to them until they wait, you know, they come to us. Um, anything else you would like to add to the interview as we well I would like to I would like to um, have the opportunity to do more for the Latino community because we don't have a lot of services okay now um, in some states as you know there is prohibited to them to rent you know uh, houses or they can go to the hospital here. We still, you know, we can. They can do that. Where they can go to see a doctor. They can go to the hospital. But I think uh, we we need to increase, you know, services. Yes. Uh, we don't have. We probably have. As far as I know, we have maybe one or two low income family clinics. We need more clinics. You know, we need more health services. You know, and also. Um, uh, when they lose their job or, you know, they cannot go to uh, unemployment and collect unemployment, you know. And what they usually do, they are not used to ask for help either, you know. Even if they know that there's churches, they can help you with food and clothes, you know. They, I mean, they don't like to do that. Even if you tell them, you know, you can go over here, you can... Other issues is, of course, uh, it's uh, documentation, you know. Some areas you have to bring a social security number, and a lot of them, they don't have it, you know. It's a lot of things, a lot of barriers still, you, you know. Do you think there's a great amount of fear? Yes, of course it is. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Um, I think that's about it. What would you like to see as far as the... Um, the legacy of, of the community as far as the, the younger people? Ah, well, younger people, I think probably 10 years from now is going to be a completely different world, you know, because they are all born over here, born, uh, they are bilingual, and everything, it, it, people, they're going to be more educated, you know. Even right now, what's going on also with teenagers, they drop school, they drop, you know, or, or they just um, finish uh, high school, and what's the other problem? They can go to uh, college because, you know, they don't have the proper documentation. Then the education is like cut right there. You know, as soon as they finish high school, that's all they can do, you know. So what do you think can be done about that? I will, you know, I think, I mean, they probably could do something just to, uh, any documentation just to let them go to college, finish their education, because a lot of them, they want to go to college, they want, they want to finish their education. And due to the, you know, immigration uh, status, everything is, just, just stops right over there, you know. Um, you, have you, you've also worked, um, volunteered in some areas of, of immigration and those, these type of issues, um, can you tell me a little bit about that as far as um, assisting people with the, I guess, with the proper way of becoming a citizen? Have you worked in that um, Yes, I have, but it's really difficult. I mean, I would say probably impossible. Because if you, even if you live here, if you married an American person, now it's not like 
before. Now you have to leave the country at least for 10 years, you know, to be able to get your documentation. It's really, I mean, it's, a, it's really hard, you know. You, I think, I mean, the only choice is just live over here the way you are forever because there's no other way. Other issues is, for example, a lot of them, they drive, they drive their car with no driver's license or uh, insurance because they don't have any documentation, you know. And it uh, happens when they get stopped is when they are detained, called immigration, and they, you know, taken back to Mexico. But, you know, everybody has to do it. Everybody has to go to work, you know. But that's a big uh, issue over here also, also, you know. Nobody has, I mean, a lot of them don't have drugs license. And what about crimes committed against? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a big thing also. Especially in Southwest Little Rock, a lot of Latinos have been killed, robbed in their own houses. Um, actually, last year, um, this uh, gentleman, he was about 40 years old. They, uh, two guys followed him to his mobile home park and they tried to rob him. He, you know, arguing with him and they killed him over there. I don't know exactly the steps, if they go farther, mm -hmm. but, you know, nobody, as far as I know, I don't know if they ever catch the person. But usually what happened was the, because of the barrier, you know, people don't insist, you know, and see what's going on, what happened, what, who killed, did, you know, go to the police and find out, you know, go to the end to the investigation. Everything, you know, kill somebody, that stops right over there, you know. Yeah. And that's a really very hard situation also because they get robbed, they don't report it to the police, and they, because they are afraid of, you know, being deported. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And this happens a lot in the uh, southern area and in, in here in, in Little Rock. What do you think can change that? Okay, they need to change their mind. You know, they need to. Who are they? Uh, um, the Latino okay. person need to, you know, just think that things can be happening like this forever. You know, you have to take action, you have to change the way you think, you have to see, I mean, but the main thing is uh, they are afraid, they are scared, you know, and they are the only one they can make the difference and say, okay, I'm going to step down, I'm going to call the police, I'm going to report this crime, you know, but they usually don't do it. I mean, it will continue until somebody said no more, you know. Yeah. Anything else you would like to um, well, I would like to uh, see, you know, it would be really nice, but like I was saying, even if you work hard and you encourage them and you talk to them and you let them know, you know, what's best for you, what, it's really hard to make them change their mind, you know, but they could have a better life because they live in some situations over here sometimes that is really very frustrated, you know, it's really, really bad. Some of them, a lot of cases also, I've seen cases like, they usually live like guys in, you know, mobile homes, and they, we have a lot of people that use drugs mm -hmm. and alcohol because their loneliness, their family, they don't have the family, and they get involved, you know, in the kind of issues, and we have a lot of that happening over here too. Issues of um, discrimination. 
has that been a, a major um, for, for those who maybe are in um, I don't know in positions of, of where they these are documented mm -hmm. people and they they want to to ascend in the, the companies or what have you where they where they work have are, have you ever heard of any issues of discrimination? Um, the only thing I heard is if if they complain or something if they uh, you know. Uh, say something about a, a situation, they fire them right away. And for me, that's a discrimination. Yes, it's like, yeah. you know, we don't want you to say anything, you know, you probably will say, okay, you're undocumented, you you don't exist, but really, if you are undocumented in this country, you don't exist. Or the ones who are documented. They are documented. Mm -hmm. um, I really, I know just barely know somebody that is documented, you know, all, everybody, majority of people that I know, they are all undocumented. And as far as I know, nobody wants to do anything about, you know, an issue or if they get fired or they, you know, I mean, everything just stays there and they keep going and, you know, go somewhere else. Now, how does that... Um Conflict, I guess, would be the word mm -hmm. with the organization such as, as LULAC and its mission and its aim. If okay. you're dealing with, if you want to help to mm -hmm. rectify some of these mm -hmm. issues as an organization, mm -hmm. but you really can't. Exactly. It can't because uh, there is nobody more than immigration that can fix, you know, their status. And uh, even a lawyer can do nothing about it because he has to follow the law, the rules, the law in this country. And there's nothing that can be done if you are undocumented. It's really hard, you know, probably some few things. But in general, you know, I, nobody can do it. Even LULAC, you know, can do it because they don't have authority to do that, you know. It's very interesting. There's a lot of topics, you know, that a lot of Americans, they don't know, uh, because they ask me sometimes, why do they don't go to the social security office and tell them to go and get... <laughs> it's not like that. It's not that easy, you know. Yeah. And it's really nice when you talk to somebody, you know, and you tell them what's going on, and how they think, and what they do, and they say, wow, I, don't have, I didn't have an idea. I didn't, I didn't know, because, you know, they're not... Like I said, they are, like, in their own area, on and their own town, their own food, you know, it's that they created that area for the Latino. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you can barely see, the only thing I see in changes like teenagers, you know, they have friends now, they are American mm -hmm. or African-American, teenagers, they can communicate, but if you see people from, probably from 30s up, you know, then you don't see them. They don't have American friends or African American friends because they they know. Even if they work sometime together, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in in a workplace, they can become friends because they don't know how to communicate. You know, yeah. they can you know, they can uh, I, I I would say uh, talk to any issues. You know, they will say hi. You know, nice hi. You know, that's all because I see in that. And, uh, you know, they go with their friend, their own race, you know, when they go out, when they go party, or they go with family reunions, you mm -hmm. see everybody is just Hispanic, you know. They keep it to themselves. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
Anything else as we close here? Um, well, there is more things, but you know, okay, uh, uh, what I'm saying is they will be really nice. We could do more for them. Yes. I know it's not easy because you can, you know, everything has to go, you know, step by step. Mm -hmm. And also, we probably will be good if, if somebody get more interested and see what's going on, what way we can help the Latino community, you know. What do they need? Do we know what do they need? Probably nobody knows exactly what do they need. Or where, you know, to go and reach them, where they are, where they live, you know. Mm -hmm. Because there is, if you are in your house, and you don't never find that, you know, you never will be able to offer something. Be right. You know, to do better for them. Yes. Well, I do thank you for this oh, opportunity you're to interview. This has been awesome. This has been great. You've been listening to Primary Sources, a production of the Central Arkansas Library System. For more information, please visit cals.org and butlercenter.org. Join us next time to hear more from people making a difference in Little Rock and Arkansas.